Good evening from Los Angeles, ladies, gentlemen, people who don't give a fuck. I'm Holiday Kirk, and you are listening to the New Metal Agenda with my co-host, Grandfather. Hey, everybody. Riviera. Hey. Riv, what is that? What's that shirt you're wearing? What? Oh, this one? Oh, this shit. One of, the, uh, one of the bootlegs we did. Only two people narked, tried to narc on us, tried to at Deftones when we Ooh. did that, but... I'm and sure still, they noticed. But maybe they did because I still haven't gotten paid. My Teespring payout has been in limbo for 10 business days, well over 10 business days now. But anyway, anyway, I hope you're enjoying the shirt. Have you washed it yet? I'm not. Turn it inside out first. Let's please welcome to yes. the show the distinguished, the illustrious, some would even say legendary, POD cast, John Cullen and fuck. Introduce yourselves. What's going on? Hey. I'm I'm John Cullen. I'm not the fuck. I'm not fuck. I'm Brian, but I go by fuck. I guess. <laughs> He's trying something new. I'm I was gonna say, Kirk, I'm actually shocked you haven't gotten uh DCMA'd yet for those shirts. Cause uh we got uh Block Party had a shirt pulled down uh because it was a screen cap of a tweet I did about the TV show Entourage and HBO DCMA just because it had the word entourage in the tweet on the shirt. So oh, that's crazy. And also I, I don't think aloud. And you were like, <laughs> oh no. I just didn't care. I was like, whatever. I'm not going to fight this. I don't need to go fighting over the entourage tweet that's on this shirt. The word. The word, word entourage. entourage. It wasn't a logo. It wasn't a word mark. Nothing. Just didn't say HBO, but they the pulled it. I was like, whatever. The, the concept of Entourage. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a of new entourage. metal show, I feel like, Entourage. No, the shirt project was interesting because none of the none of my my gloom and my 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 anxieties actually came true. Everyone thought it was super cool. We sold a shitload of shirts. The only thing that actually has not happened yet is I have not gotten paid. But once Do you that feel happened, like that's kind of the important part? That is that is a big part of this, but I it's in God's hands now. It's in the good people at <laughs> PayPal's hands now. So how are you guys doing though? How's uh how's life being uh originators of the uh new metal content? <laughs> have you guys been wondering? Have you guys been has anyone reached out to you guys to get your take on things? Cause it's like, you know, you guys were here before me. Why the fuck am I in all these? Uh I think people are are I, I don't know if nobody gets a hold of me for anything they just did an entire fucking uh two-part tv show on vice about shock jocks and with some other fucking guy talking on it so that's a sore spot with me but no nobody ever asked me for my input in anything but on it might anything, be because i don't answer things. on anything ever well yeah, guys, we don't uh, people don't care about what we have to say i don't think aside from the people who listen to the pod cast but um other than that yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah, they never ask. They don't ask us for anything. Um, I guess it's, uh, you know, we're not we're not visible. We're not visible like you. You know, you got all the followers and. Uh, and this is this is all I CEO, this is all I so. do. You guys do have like functioning lives, right? <laughs> that is part of it. Yeah, we do also do other stuff, I think. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd pick up I'd pick up the phone if someone wanted to call and talk to me about new metal. I'd pick up the phone. But there is uh, a bit no, of circus. I mean you're handling it you're doing just fine so we're we're good we we'll have to our I mean, shadows yeah there is exactly. a bit of circus freak sideshowism to the questions people ask me people would be like why are you do why are you doing this why <laughs> why is this something you're doing is this all you do and I'm like yeah yeah I just ordered blackout curtains actually so I could be even more reclusive you know <laughs> it's 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 really grim in here now it's very grim but the lighting is more appropriate for the uh 
for the moment. So who did anyone here listen to the album Fall of the Leader today? Yeah, wow. I did. Uh, well, well, I, I listened to it yesterday. 24/7. The day that <laughs> I thought was playing in, playing in Brian's head 24-7. <laughs> I, I never have to listen to that album again for, for sure. Like I know my favorite songs. Actually, my favorite corn song of all time is on there. Maybe my favorite new metal song of all time is on All there. in the Family. No. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> Brian loves that. He's always rapping it to like me. The on politics the of it, really. Yeah, it's more the message. It's not so much the song. He doesn't really love the music. It's more about the message. <laughs> yeah. True Brian heads or true fuck heads know that Brian listed my gift to you as his number one new metal song of all time. It is my favorite new metal song of all time. I love it. I fucking love that song so much. I can listen to it a million times. It's perfectly made for like my sensibilities that like I like I like it's like the kind of riff that I fucking love, especially near the end where where it goes into like that thing. That's all I like. I love that shit. That shit drives me fucking up the wall. I've always been a little bullish on this album. I've always considered it to be like too long and have a lot of filler. But listening to it today, I think the only song on here that I thought this is no good is Cameltosis. Everything That's else is not a good song. Everything else kind of yeah. kind of hits. Played that for a girlfriend once. Trying to That's get her a bold porn. move. <laughs> That's a really bold move. Did How'd it that work? work out? It didn't work. Well, we're not together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did this just happen? Did this happen like a couple days ago? Yeah, of course. I actually ended up getting divorced over it. I said, you should check out this Pamela. That's very new metal. Hey, I'm going on this podcast tomorrow. Come listen to this song with me. Come listen to this song with me. I think that song's not bad. The only real song on the album that I don't love is uh, All in the Family. I think all the rest of them are fine. I mean, that's not like a ringing endorsement of all the other songs, but fine is a lot of bands can't get a fucking album full of fine songs. It's it's difficult. So I just went to this this cabaret thing two days ago, went to this cabaret thing in which this guy used Woodstock 99 and new metal as like a metaphor for his coming out as a as a gay man. And for like 45 minutes, dude just rips into new metal. He fucking hates all new metal forever it's just it was vicious and i we had to we got to have a conversation after the show because i wanted to talk to him about it and get his take on it and it was tough because i was trying to do my spiel you know my shtick where i was like actually new metal is a lot more progressive than people think it is but he was 16 and gay in 1999 like how am i going to tell this guy like actually actually new metal was way more progressive than you think it is you're not being very fair i mean that's his experience so as much as I want to be able to be like all in the family is actually low key, very woke, kind of, you, you know, you're really doing some gymnastics to make that happen. Well, yeah. we just read an article. Uh, we just covered $3 bill y'all in the POD cast. And we, we covered an article in which Fred said uh, that he has, he's gone back and uh, looked at his lyrics and he actually thinks they're fine. So he says, uh, you know, once it's all done, once the album is done, he goes back. And he looks at all the lyrics and he just thought, you know what? I'm this is all good. And I he specifically says that song is not homophobic. I don't uh, think it is. Like, it's I, not, it's not homophobic. You can yeah, say it's like, you know, it's they're like, in love hey, with each other. You shouldn't use those words or and stuff like that. But to say the song is homophobic, I think is a 
real misreading of that. I loved one of the best things I've ever found in my my journeys, my trials, my tribulations is that article from The Advocate, which is a gay and lesbian news magazine in which they review this song and, and it comes down to it. And they're like, they're maybe maybe they're protesting the gay thing a little too much to them. It's like it's like it's like male bonding has never been it's this honest because ma- that's bonding how it, is rarely this honest. Is- and I, I think that if the song didn't have its finale where they yell about how much they want to fuck each other it would be a very different story but i do think that makes it somewhat i think that makes it interesting yeah i mean it's like about it it's a really specific kind of like i don't know like desperation for intimacy and also like masculinity in a way that it like it is a thing and it's not it's distinct from just homophobia in general which doesn't necessarily make it great, but it to me does matter to split that difference. To me, what is more interesting to talk about on All in the Family than the the homophobia is like the class politics of All in the Family and the hatred of the South and All in the Family. Like that's this is, really interesting. This is so on brand for you. This is like so I'm on like brand I'm like I was gonna excited. say I don't know if I ever really um I don't think they're they think about any of that I I'm think like go, Fred if, like Fred and John are doing the about, stupidest guys I, I want I mean, you to do this I I want this for you I'm gonna go for like a walk and I want you to do the class <laughs> politics of all in the family you know oh have fun <laughs> you guys didn't even you know what John and Brian you guys have never even met Riv have you no no I I'm just like this all the time That's why she's on <laughs> no, the show no it's good. That's good. I mean, someone needs to do it. I it's actually not gonna think be I, any of us. We're all fucking stupid. I actually yeah. might cut off your point though, because what I want to do is a bonus episode just on All in the Family and on the the okay. interesting sexual politics, sexual tension between Fred Durst and Jonathan Davis. And I won't make I won't make a uh, John or fuck come back for that one. I really won't. But do you <laughs> hold that say, it, it did not culminate right. in a sex tape, so it is homophobic. It kind of did. Fred did have a sex yeah. tape, actually, but that's that's really neither God, here nor there. Right, but not with each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, what are the Fred and Jonathan sex tape? I don't think you did want that, Cran. I don't think oh, you man, wanted that surprised. at all. Anyway, <laughs> this album, so this album is, to me, this is, so first of all, there's a lot of attention with this album right now, and it's funny how it's like the 25th anniversary, because I kind of remember when the 20th anniversary of this hit, and it wasn't that big of a deal. They did like four or five shows, right? And they, that was just about it. But now 25th anniversary, and it's all like, whoa, holy shit. Like, that's how much times have changed in five years. It's like, we have to do this again, because it just didn't get its due in the 20th anniversary. Because that's typically what you celebrate, right? It's the 20th anniversary. I think either one of them are. I mean, you shouldn't celebrate both, but either one of them are are good, I would think. I think as a married man, we should be celebrating every single one, fuck. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. I do. I celebrate my wife every uh, every year. I Released say. on August 18th, 1998, Fall the Leader by Corn would sell, uh, would sell, I just saw it in here. About 400,000 copies in its first week. Did any one of you guys buy one of those copies in its first week? Yes, I bought it the day before it came out. Actually, I had a record store that I went to, and the guy would, if he knew who you were, he would sell you the albums the day before they came out. And uh, he knew who I was, and he let me buy it. And uh, he actually turned me on to corn. And then two years later told me how much they suck and how much he hates them. So, but you know, such as the circle of life early. Yeah. 
such as the He's circle a of life. Corn fan, actually. That's, yeah. a, that's an average corn fan experience right there. Um, that's true. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I bought it the week it came out. I mean, I my new metal fandom started with the Freak on a Leash video. Um, that was pretty much when I, I was 13 when this came, or not quite. I was 12, turning 13. My birthday is in October, so. Um, yeah, I was turning 13 and, uh, yeah, I saw the freak on a leash video. I was like, this is the music I like now. Uh, and I bought the album, but I don't think it would have been in the first week. Probably like I, I probably would have seen the video after the album was already out, uh, and then, and then went and bought it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly it would have been around the time it came out for sure. Cause I also think freak on a leash is the second single, I think, right. Got the life was number one. So yeah. So by the time I saw the freak on a leash video, yeah, it was probably out for a little bit, but this yeah, that kind of started my whole new metal journey right there is this record. This is the first new metal record I owned. And then, yeah, I went back with the corn catalog with life is peachy and the self-titled and then went to $3 bill y'all. Cause I heard limp biscuit on the family values tour 98 comp. And then it just all kind of went from there. Is this anyone's favorite corn album? No, no, no. But it has my favorite corn song on it, I'd say. Me too. Which is Got the Life. I think Got the Life is their best song. I think I think I agree. Thank you, Riv. First three tracks to this album are like insane. Like that is a insane run of tracks. I was just listening to it today. And it's like when Freak on a Leash ends and Got the Life begins, I could see how if you were like 17 years old in 1998 you'd think to yourself i'm never gonna need more music than this this is it. this is the <laughs> i actually think the first five tracks like then into bbk mm-hmm. and dead bodies everywhere oh I holy love moly and dead bodies everywhere yeah those Pretend those it. first five tracks are just like unfucking believable like what a start to an album and the production is crazy it sounds so good it's so loud there's and so, so heavy. much bass yeah that it's was, great i think it's that really was an great. innovative a really innovative thing that Korn did was they brought a hip hop rap bass into rock and metal songs. Cause it was like, it was like shaking my headphones in my ears. The bass was so fucking loud. So, yeah. That's how they got me. Actually. I was a hip hop fan when, when I was in uh, middle school and stuff. And then I got into like grunge and shit. And then uh, finally, you know, Korn comes out and it mixes two kind of music I like because I was also starting to get into Pantera and shit. So like uh, when Korn came out, that's how I got into it because it sounded kind of like rap and I still sort of liked rap. But I think this album, I, I like Justin, which I find to be a funny song, but I still like it. Great it riff. is funny, but it is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. No, God, and I like... no, I die. <laughs> yeah. Wanna meet me why? So, that is a sick opening scream of that fuck all this bullshit and then the big yeah. drop that i like seed a lot this is a this album is a victim of me listening to it so many times that my favorite songs are songs that aren't anybody's favorite songs i know how that feels how like it starts to slide <laughs> you're like i can't listen to these songs anymore but i i mean i what i really do love about so for one thing i would say that this is new metal's like arrival moment like this is when it is 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 here because this is if i'm not mistaken this would have been new metal's first blockbuster it eventually sold with like five six million copies in the six. united states and uh plenty more worldwide are and, you saying copies like that because john's on the show yes yes that's that, canadian is yes that that's, how you think a canadian says copies this is how you say copies <laughs> i i listen to enough of your you episodes. sound like a boston god you say i think i was gonna say normal. i don't sound like that yeah that's, that's all 
East Coast. <laughs> this has been Holiday Kirk with the New Metal Agenda. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the show. So I think that if I'm not mistaken, right, nothing before this really blew up like Fall the Leader did. And it definitely is like so um one of the the spin article around the same time that this came out, the band was like backstage in Japan reviewing reviewing the the single edit, the proposal single edit for Freak on a Leash. And they were like, well, should we cut out the breakdown for radio? And everyone in the band is like, yes. Like that's how far away from like the early 90s we were by 1998. And and Fieldy goes, I want a bigger house. Let's cut that out. They're like, they have no problem at all selling out. They're like, they'll do whatever it takes. And so, and like furthermore, they, you know, they got rid of Ross Robinson. They hire Toby Wright to produce it. They make it sound like a zillion dollars. It's the thing sounds huge. Yeah, good. This is their first album that sounds expensive. I was gonna mention that. Oh my god. Well, yeah, and especially really the first two sound outright cheap, I would say. It's like it's both not only that this sounds expensive, but the first two sound bad. Okay, so, so we're it's friend, like, I'm a, I'm friends with Ross. So don't oh, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't He's do that your close on my personal show. friend now. Don't do yeah. that use, on my show. Use he the word admits raw. it. He admits it. He don't didn't know what the fuck he show. was doing. You could have said, you could have said scrappy. You could have said raw. You could have said intense. No, it sounds bad. Don't it sounds bad is the word I would use. Is bad. You come on my show. <laughs> you come on my show. Insult my close friend. Unbelievable. So I think that that this though is the first time like new metal really felt like it could it could go big and all of these bands and and really if you think about it to change the entire landscape for rock and metal music because suddenly it was like oh my god we can go six times fucking platinum with a song like freak on a leash which by the way is a super weird song that's not we might all take it for granted like it's free bird or something that song is weird as hell there are not a lot of songs that resonate on a level that big that sound as it's weird it's the as perfect that. corn song it really it's not it, my you know, favorite really but i think is. it it distillates everything that band is about it is it is absolutely one of those instances in which a band's most popular song you could ar- easily argue is also their best song no problem yeah i'd hear an argument for it i wouldn't agree with it but i'd hear it for sure well, yeah i mean i think splitting best and personal favorite yeah and got the well and got the life is even better i mean come on disco come on i mean i mean People give David Silvera a lot of shit. He was deep in his bag on that one. Really deep in his bag on that one to go for a four on the floor disco beat. I mean, man, they were just, I mean, I think that they were really excited by all this stuff that nobody had tried to do yet with, with metal music. And is that his tightest performance? What on the drums do you think as, as far as his time in corn goes? So, well, here's Definitely. what I really love about his performance on that song. Uh, a, a hallmark of like classic disco music is that the beats aren't quantized because it's live drummers doing beats that feel like they should be quantized. Here goes Mr. Package. Do you guys want to talk no. some shit about? Do you guys want to talk about shit for, about John real quick? I don't Brian. know John. Brian, oh, you don't have any shit to about talk about John. I love him. Grandfather, He's... didn't you say you sold oh him drugs God. once? I fucking wish he won't do them. He doesn't do them. He just buys them. He's hoarding drugs. Just buys them. If he (laughs) was, then I would definitely uh, go to Canada more often. Well, I am going to Canada soon to do uh, some stuff, but to do drugs. I fuck yeah. I'm hoping to if I can find some when I get there. People do travel to Canada for drugs. Usually, it's like very medical, but but I guess guess people do drive up there for drugs. You can get mushrooms there really easily. Mm-hmm. They're fucking everywhere. And there's like a store for mushrooms every three blocks along with another 
weed store. So yeah, there is... you, have you done mushrooms? It's a nightmare. It's the worst drug ever invented. You are out of your mind. Yes, I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> you got to understand. I tell I, I always caution people on this one. If you don't love yourself, you can't do mushrooms. I oh, that's not that is true at all. That's You're probably went too far. Uh... No, can't do it. You have to be at peace with who you are inside to do mm. mushrooms. I'm, I don't I'm think that's true. Super I've adamant about this. There. Kirk, I've never been, I don't like myself at all. So, but I you're, like drugs. And you're on you mushrooms like right now. You gotta like drugs in order to do shrooms, I think is really my my thing. I'm I'm not a guy that like runs around talking about how they'll change your life or anything like that. I just I'm a guy that likes doing drugs. So uh they work. But yeah, I'm more of a pharmaceuticals guy. I like I like Xanax and you know, morphine. Yeah, I did uh, I did some mushrooms on my birthday this past year and I took just enough and it was perfect and I had the perfect evening and we played some video games and had so much fun. Especially in Canada where they sell them in like pills and gummies and stuff where you can very accurately dose yourself in order to make you feel perfect. It's great. It's wonderful up there. That's Probably the thing they got much. right. The thing they got wrong was weather. <laughs> and milk in a bag. Well, I thought that I've done a couple cool things wrong, but yeah. but yeah, no, the weather pretty bad. So, in conclusion, yeah. everyone but grandfather loves John Cullen. So, what, what a hallmark of like disco beats, just because you had to use live drums, is that even though it sounds like you should be able to loop those beats, you can't because the drums aren't quite on. So, uh, got the life is the same way. If you queue up, got the life in a DJ set, and you think to yourself, like, I could, I should be able to loop this. This is really simple. You absolutely cannot. He's not on grid at all. But that's what gives it that groove. That's what gives it that rhythm. When you hear when you hear songs that try to evoke that sort of disco dancing vibe, but the beats are too programmed, too cut up, too organized, it doesn't groove the same. But that has that perfect groove because the drums are way are just are, are really inconsistent with the timing. And that's why, we, and that's why you need drummers like that in your band is because you can hire, you know, whomever to be absolutely perfect on beat all the time, and it doesn't, it just doesn't hit the same. Justice for justice for David Silvera. I know he's a bit of a jerk, but justice for David Silvera. You get one of his weird fucking cameos. Oh no, Sorry, he what? doesn't. He does cameos. Oh yeah, cameos in front does. of an American flag in front and of an American flag. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he talks dude. about how he like should be back in corn and, and stuff like that. He talks about that in his cameo. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll be like, you might remember me from uh from corn, and uh, you know, maybe uh maybe I'll be back in there at some point. Uh you he know, really yeah, wants they, back in. He Which, wants no, back in. A little yeah. asterisk at the bottom of the screen says he won't. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's not like great. A fucking it's... weird dude. Me and John, I don't remember. It might have been in the first episode where we talked about where we had read a bunch of stuff about David and was like, what a fucking weird dude, man. He's, he's, uh, seems like kind of a dick, but also kind of very stupid. So, well, he well speaking of drugs, he loves steroids, man. I know. I know. He's one of those steroids guys. I love those. Oh, guys, big though. time steroid guy. Yeah. I fucking love like Anthony Cumia, which you guys probably don't even know who that is, but he's a shock jock that I cover. I know he who he is. Steroids, and he you looks like a fucking, he looks insane. He's a radio host on steroids. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't even make any fucking sense, dude. You can be fat and do this. I do it all the time. <laughs> Didn't he sue the band? He did David? sue the band. David yes. sued the yes, band because he, he, I think he went on like a hiatus. And then they replaced him, and then he sued the band because he replaced them while he was gone. 
Well, he was also very publicly lobbying to be back in. Anytime there's an anniversary, I almost yeah. would think that maybe if we looked him up now, he's lobbying to get back in on the 25th anniversary, where like anytime an anniversary was on, he's like, well, it's not really corn if I'm not there. And I'm like, okay, dude. Yeah, he always <laughs> I mean, says that. They're Oh, they're doing a 20th anniversary tour of this. Well, it's not really a real, he'll just, some publication, he'll find some publication that will talk to him. And he says that exact thing every time. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, they, you know, they say it's a 20th anniversary, but is it really, is it really a 20th? It's like, it, don't necessarily, I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily disagree. I mean, he was super important to the band sound. This would, they would yeah, not, but it, it's annoying. That's it annoying. Is, it is, I didn't say it's not annoying. It, I didn't say it's not annoying. And he definitely has burned some bridges, but it's, it's, he, he was as vital to the band as anyone else in that band. I don't know if you could take it the way. He has some great drum parts, but it could have, but they could have had another drummer and been just as good. In no, my opinion, exactly so. the same. Exactly one hundred percent. Absolutely he, not. He completely uh, disagree. I think his thing was, if I'm not fucking mistaken, he also he called head and was like, "We should get back in the band," and the head was like, "Yeah, sure." And then they let head back in the band, oh. but not David. <laughs> Well, he was threatening to beat love. those guys up quite a bit. Like he said, he was going to track down Fielding and beat the shit out of him. Oh, I'd love to see that. Me I would... too. I would love to see that. And he would. No question about it. In my oh, yeah. mind, Fieldy's like a stiff wind could knock him over. Oh, he seems tough. To... I always thought he seemed like a tough guy. Oh, my God. I just looked him up. Holy fucking David. He looks absolutely, truly insane now. This is incredible. Oh, what a look. What a look on this guy. Oh, now I've got to... <laughs> The first picture of him when you Google him is fucking insane. He's beefy as hell, man. And is he I don't tall, though? Know. He's kind of... Is he actually tall, or is he, like, tiny and just bulked? I think he... he I feel he like he's a short guy, right? All drummers are. I can't are. tell if it's just how he's bulked out. He looks short. I feel but like I'm if, trying to remember the start of the Got the Life video. They're all kind of walking together. I feel like he looks shorter than everyone. Okay. He's apparently, according to IMCB, 5'11". So shorter than me. And that's uh, what really matters. If, can I, I'll just say this. If like somebody showed you a picture of corn when they were young and they were like, who's going to be the most insane looking guy in this band? You would have 100% of the time not guessed Fieldy. Or, or Fieldy, fucking David. David. He would be yeah. the one guy, I'd be like, he's probably going to look normal in the future. But He was, instead, he was he normal looking, looking enough. Model. He was normal looking enough that he was in Calvin Klein advertisements. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of everyone. Oh, I remember that. That's kind of when I started being a prick about corn was when he did that. Oh, now they're doing Calvin Klein. Like, I was done with him at that point. But, like, wasn't Calvin Klein kind of edgy then? Yeah. I mean, they were hiring the drummer from Korn as a, a model for their... But, yeah, but Korn was one of the most popular bands on Earth, so that yeah. doesn't yeah. really... Like, it's not... For me, it was... For me, it was this. It was... uh, It was... I had gotten into Korn very early. Like, 1994. Five May of 1995 was when I, I I specifically remember getting the album. So that's like really early. So I saw Corn at a bunch of very small venues here in Columbus. Um, you know, 500, uh, even just like in a thousand, like places you wouldn't expect to have ever seen Corn. And then when Follow the Leader comes out, 
you're now seeing them in arenas and shit. And instead of like being a normal human being that was happy that these guys that like gave me so much joy were were finally getting theirs, I hated them and I stopped liking them um, after issues. I quit issues was the last one, which is also my probably my favorite corn album. So that's kind of one of those things. But, but you, yeah. you started hating them when they got to arena size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you rode all the way to issues. Right. Yes, I agree. I did. But sometimes you don't know you hate your your sometimes you don't know you're turning on something until you kind of already done it in a way. It was kind of like, oh, corn's coming to Columbus. Well, every time corn comes to Columbus, I go and see them, you know, as like um, it was just an automatic thing. And then after, you know, I think any of issues i didn't see them at all with issues they'd come through town i'd be like eh, you know i don't i don't need to see them and david doing uh calvin klein ads and jonathan davis getting the puma endorsement were the two things where i was like these guys sold out this is bullshit and that was also mainly probably me just getting older and getting into other stuff but yeah i uh the calvin klein stuff was a big Big breaking point for me, actually. Thank you, Riv, for dropping a link to a large poster of David Silvera posing in one of those Calvin Klein ads. What a Anytime. steal, too, at $12. Bucks. Do I buy this? I've been posting I about how I don't know what I to think... do. I've been posting about how I don't know what to do with this huge blank spot on my wall over here. Maybe this is the sign. Yeah, I, I think I've solved it for you. Every day I need to sit yeah. at my desk and look at uh, David Silvera's naked torso. So pretty right good. For inspiration. I got to read this for you guys off of a metal injection. After leaving the group in 2006, Silveria reemerged in 2013 to take a shot at his successor, saying current corn drummer Ray Lussier lacks groove and that bassist Fieldy is a cowardly little bitch. So <laughs> he's, he's not totally wrong about Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never noticed any different at all. Any difference oh, at all with Ray no. Ray is way too professional. But the Ray is just an absolute pro. What made Corn work at first was that all of those guys weren't that great at their instruments. Like they had a lot of enthusiasm. They had a lot of go-getted. They I'll just cut that down to enthusiasm. They really were into it in terms of making it happen, but they weren't like studious pros. They weren't Steve Vai. They were you know, just guys in a garage. Well, and somebody once said that to me. Somebody once said that Blind is the greatest song ever to have the worst drumming ever. And, you know, obviously, like, the drum beat to Blind is totally iconic, but it is, like, a little all over the place. But that's groove. That's groove for you. That's what makes that work. Well, this was the other thing that I think me and John talked about on our episode, and it was I've apologized to all members of Corn. I was immature, hurt, and mad that after Head, they wouldn't let me back in, specifically because the year before Head came back, I personally talked to Head and tried to get him to go along with me to talk to the guys about both of us going back to corn. This is so sad. This is kind of sad. It's really brutal. It's <laughs> I mean, they're like, they're all grown. They can handle their business. They don't need me to be sad for them. But this is. It feels like you can't kick out Ray now, though. I guess Ray, I think Ray is, is Ray in the band or is he a hired gun? He's in the band. He's got to be in it now, man. He's made more out. They've made more. They've made more albums with Ray, Ray than, than they did with David. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't be right to to do that to Ray for. And it's it's obviously it's never going to happen. But I do. Honestly, I do feel for the guy. And I wish I it would have been nice to like hear what Corn 3 would have sounded like with uh, 
David Silvera taking a break from his bar and grill business to to drum again. Um, just being a dick like doesn't pay off generally. Like it does for a while. Like oh, I'm great, you know. But then, but not if you can't get it together behind the scenes and work with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, remember, he had talked his shit too, but he came back sober. That's yeah, probably a big has- part of the issue with David and Christian. They 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 all were well, like. Well, I guess head's not going to be too fucking weird, even though he's the weirdest guy in the band. It's going to be a different kind of weird, certainly. (laughs) Yeah, the new weird. So, who did you say you went to the Family Values Tour? Me and 90, the first one, yeah. The first year when it was uh, Rammstein, Orgy, Corn, and Limp Biscuit, I believe is the whole. And Ice Cube? Ice Cube. Ice Cube. And they had the Corn Cage. Nah, Incubus wasn't there. They had the corn cage. Um, that was the one the stage. Put, yeah, they put fans in a big cage behind them. And I was pissed because they wouldn't. I thought I deserved to be up there, um, but didn't know how people got picked. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I went to that first tour. It actually got ruined for me. I was up in Cleveland and there were these guys. This is the most pathetic thing you'll ever hear right now. There were these it guys. I was being in Cleveland. Yes, there were guys wearing shirts that said Cleveland, Ohio moshing team. And they oh my were, God. Yeah. And they were all matching shirts and they were punching people and like wouldn't let anybody else in the pit. And it just really ruined it for like everybody else there, which I think I would have been able to lead the charge against them if I was now, but I was a little bit less of a you know, a general at that time. I I, I could be a great general. Do you well. think they're still at it to this day? No. I I wonder. They 20 years strong. Got 20 years strong. Cleveland, not Washington. You think they get like service ribbons? They get service but ribbons. They, do. they compete in championships, state championships. Ruining it's pits so since 99. <laughs> they punched me in the back of the head. Sorry, guys. I had to take a drink. Oh, you're fine. Like seven times. They punched you in the back of the head and you couldn't like corn anymore after that. You're like, what am I doing here? Again, I was still into them with issues, but I never saw them tour on issues. Five plus million uh, copies here in the United States. And what, what really fascinates me, what I always try to emphasize when I talked about when I talk to people about like how different the territory was for rock bands back then, their bassist was on MTV Cribs twice. Like that's yeah. how paid everyone in that band was, was that the basis could be like, here's my huge ass Hollywood home. So this really did blow them up into probably a huge cultural phenomenon. And the other thing that helped that along that, that you really, a game kind of you had to play in the nineties that has, if I'm not mistaken, just completely disappeared now was you had to really goad parents into hating you. That was a big part of like, that was a big part of getting on back then was stirring up the right kind of controversy to get people to protest your shows. And generally, you know, like that's what, that's what the entire song, uh, children of the corn is about. I remember finding that very funny. Cause I was already, you know, 18. I was already moved out when it came out. And I just remember like this, like, it's the same thing with Jonathan Davis from the beginning. Like when you're, when you're 44, like I am, you look at a guy that's 27 and singing about how mad his stepmom makes him as like being a very weird thing. And uh, at the time, I remember at the time that Children of the Corn came out, I was like, this guy's in his 30s. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> attention all parents. So yeah, attention yeah. all parents. 
And then Ice Cube had to be 40 by then, didn't he? No. No way. Ice Cube? Or after the Maybe not 40, but he would have been. 55, 56? He was up there. He's 54 right now. So 25 years ago. Yeah. So he was 29 in 98. But what what makes it great is that, like, even though it sounds just so cute to us to be rapping about fuck authority, I'm telling you, firsthand experience, parents took this really seriously. Like, this was the great threat to your children's your children's moral fiber was that their kids might listen to corn or Marilyn Manson or Eminem. And then you'd lose them. You'd lose them forever. They would be, they would be gone. They would be wayward. And like that, I think that was when, when parents were actually performing at their peak, that was peak parenting right then was when that was your main concern. You weren't like, you know, you weren't up in arms and like running for Congress and stuff. You were just like, we have got to keep these CDs out of our kids' hands. I mean, I think it's weird to say that the spinoff of the Satanic Panic was peak parenting, but I, pre- I mean, but I they weren't going to shoot you. Yeah, I prefer that. So whatever it is, we got to deal with now. Yeah, my my forward. parents wouldn't let me see corn. Like I wanted to see corn on the issues tour, and they wouldn't let me. And then <clears throat> I I could be wrong, but I'm I I think like corn has basically not been to Vancouver since then. They might have been one more time because of your parents, like in the like see you on the other side era but yeah they came on the issues tour in 99 and or, or 2000 one of the two and uh yeah my parents wouldn't let me go and then i, I remember like looking it up i'm like because i there's like yeah. probably the last 10 years i would go see corn uh you know and then the, yeah they just like never ever come to vancouver ever i saw I, them um, one month before the pandemic and uh it sucked. It, it actually wasn't good. They've ruined concerts by um making the floor seats super expensive. So everybody down there doesn't want to move around because they want to keep their good spot. Oh, those used yeah. to be the cheap seats. That's why yeah, people, yeah. man, you I never thought about that before. That's why people don't mosh at yeah. the shows. It's because those seats, those, those tickets are too expensive. You're right. That's what enabled yeah. people to mosh. You pay 15 bucks and get down there. You kind of have nothing to lose. I didn't even wow, think of that. That's, I was wondering like why people don't mosh at like like the Beyonce or the Taylor Swift shows, and it's because yeah, those tickets cost like thousands of dollars. So much I'm money. Doing. Yeah, the corn has uh, played in Germany and the UK a significant number of times more than Canada, which makes almost no like sense. Uh, they must not, right? Like it's it's really? no sense. Corn they played in huge. Germany eighty-eight times and the UK eighty-six times, and they've only played in Canada fifty-six times. Completely kind of makes out. sense to me. Yeah, Germany. You got a lot more density. The UK. I mean, I guess, but, but have you still, seen Corn John at all? No, never. I've never seen them. Me either, actually. Yeah, it's crazy. I I, I would saw love them for to the go. First time in 2018. So for some reason they that's played Dawson you, Creek, Graham. which is crazy. I don't even know how that's possible. Dawson Creek is like a tiny town in northern British Columbia. Do, so do, something do, must do. have happened there that they ended up there. I didn't that's, know it was a must real be a place. Story. The first Dawson seven Creek. concerts I saw were corn concerts. <laughs> I believe they were also mentioned on the show Dawson's Creek, referenced by one of the characters' grandmothers as having rented out her house. Oh, I get it. It's a sorry, yeah, Dawson Creek, singular. Uh, and it is uh it's a very small, it was a gold rush town. Uh, and uh now it's just a very small outpost in the northern uh in northern BC. Uh, the last time Corn played Vancouver was 2010. Uh, they played the Jagermeister music tour 
but they played the Queenie Theater, which that would have been fucking sick. Um, what I don't give a fuck. Sorry. Um, but yeah, they uh they played in yeah March 2010 Queenie, which is like a 3,000 seat theater. I would have loved that. Wow, this is a really good set list. Also, it's a very much like a greatest hits set list. I didn't listen to Corn as an impressionable youth because I was I was a very good kid and Corn scared me. I found Corn to be very scary. Didn't listen to it at all. Very, very satanic. So I didn't even listen to corn until I was a, until an adult. I didn't, I didn't even get into appreciate. I didn't even get to appreciate corn until I was an old ass man. And Follow the Leader definitely isn't my favorite corn album, but I, I do like li- when you listen to it, even when it's not good, even when you listen to it, you can really hear how much potential there was and like how much excitement. There was because I think that they knew going into this that this was going to be this probably was going to be a huge deal. Uh, like their debut album had gone at least gold, possibly platinum. I think that Life is Peachy was platinum or double platinum. And it's like they were just building and building toward this one singular moment. And this was kind of the breakout event for for everything. And I think it's really cool, though, that an album this big and this expensive and this important could have songs on it as bad as all in the family or earache my eye or no earache my eye is not so bad what's what camel tosis like it's it's just cool that they were allowed to fuck up on that scale all the way up there that nobody was intervening it's like yeah the kids will love it will fill up the whole album it's a cd gotta gotta put some in there i think yeah, it was I mean, wolf then, that clued just... you into oh go ahead no you go cram i was gonna uh wolf clued holiday kirk into earache my eye being a cover he didn't know oh Did yeah know that? that sounds like something that's like some shit i wouldn't know classic like i wouldn't know <laughs> I, also I think didn't with know. like i think with with uh with follow the leader though it is like that's what all albums were in 1998 all albums were just like three good songs and 10 bad songs not that follow the leader is that but like there wasn't a pressure for your whole album to be good in that time period that was still you were still in your like mtv radio singles era uh in 98 so like you know, the whole album, like the album being kind of messy and corn doing whatever they want. I mean, that's also, you know, it's probably has a lot to do with the amount of drugs they were doing at the time. Uh, but like, yeah, I think the, the freedom to kind of just do a bunch of different things and, and have a bunch of songs that maybe were not aiming to be hit songs or, or whatever the case is just sort of emblematic of that of that whole time period. It was very normal to buy an album that you heard one song off of that you liked, and then you bought the album and like you hated most of it. Just crossing your fingers. Yeah. Did you go into like coconuts, put the headphones on and like preview the album first? Or were you just, I need to have the song? What can I say? Uh sometimes you sometimes I would preview it in the store, but uh, the way that the stores I went to would do it was you you couldn't just like pull an album off the shelf and then like listen to it. It was like it was just whatever the sort of like three biggest albums at the time were or whatever the case. So it was. Yeah. If you were looking for Limp Bizkit or whatever, you weren't going to get a preview, even though Significant Other did sell like a stupid amount of copies. It was unlikely you were going to be able to go to the record store and listen to Significant Other. It was like Celine Dion mariah carey and like backstreet boys would be the three in the like shuffler and yeah it was very unlikely you would get a chance to listen to like a rock album in advance i'm gonna tell you what by the way speaking of canada you know that to promote the album they actually took to downtown toronto on a tank they rode a tank through downtown toronto and you were there for that 
classic moment. No, I was not. Uh, I, I lived about an hour outside of Toronto at that time, but that was a big moment. I, I believe they drove the tank to much music, if I'm not mistaken. And blew um, it the and, fuck up. Yeah. And so then they, they showed up at much music in this tank and it was like all over TV and it was, it was very sick for sure. I remember thinking like, oh, I wish I was down there, but yeah, again, I was 12. So I don't think my parents were going to be, I wasn't going to be in that zone. I was a 12 year old kid living in suburbia. My parents were not going to be in a zone where they were going to say, yeah, you can yeah, go yeah. to downtown Toronto and go see this band on a tank. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they they did that and they also like flew all over the country in like a private jet to do album signing release parties which again also super awesome it's just so weird that like we were like four years i mean you you said that like you fell off of corn because you thought they sold out super hard brian but this was like the that was just what everyone was doing in new metal was you just sold out hard you know played the game played the promo game like we were just a few years removed from like bands grunge bands and alt rock bands being like we're never going to do videos we're not going to sell to Ticketmaster. you know you can't tell us what to do to this wave of new metal bands just being like yeah uh-huh yeah totally we'll do that yeah we'll do that a tank fuck yeah we'll do that cd signings for days radio runs collaboration with fred durst anything it takes so it i can would... see though how at the time you you could if you were there and you were like a discerning musical critical type person you'd be like i hate this shit so much this sucks yeah i i uh um i just didn't understand what a sellout was and i didn't under you know when you're when i'm when i was younger i was like i live in columbus ohio i'm a i'm a dumbass redneck and i think everybody on tv is a, a fucking millionaire and everybody like they don't need the money and it's like well you could actually like, like, I would do it now. Let me put it like that. I would sell out now in a second. I would do a commercial because first of all, I'm too scared to say no. Actually, that's a lie. Did I've you do a commercial that. for Raytheon? I wouldn't. And here's the thing. I did get offered to do a commercial for a, for a few things that I like use on the old podcast, but I didn't want to do them. That, but like that, that mattress, that meal kit service. Yeah. The dick yeah, pills. It is embarrassing to get on your Spotify platform and be like, want to start a podcast? Spotify now has all the tools you need to like, you just like, got to get this. I got to get this 92 cents, this 92 cent ad impression. I need it so bad. Yeah, it is definitely like, like, uh, uh, if some, it's just hard to say no to that stuff. And I get why these guys would do it, especially like if you're 27 and you're being offered stuff that could maybe, you know, make sure that you're taken care of until, you know, you're dead. Yeah. I can't see why you wouldn't take that chance, you know? Well, on principle, on the principle of it is how it used to be. Like that's, that's, that's the thing. The funny thing about Eddie Vedder and, and, Kurt Cobain and those guys like turning down opportunities in order to like really, you know, for the art, for art's sake was the ironic thing is that they were allowed to do that because of how much money bands and musicians were making anyway. They were allowed to take a principled stand on that. Nowadays, like you can't pass that up because you just you need the money so bad. You can't you you don't have that ability. Back then it was like, well, I'll make royalties off Smells Like Teen Spirit. So fuck it. I'm not doing this tour. Or I'm not working with that producer. I'm not going to re-record this single. You You could yeah. do that. Now you can't do I mean, that. And you're Jonathan Davis and Puma comes to you and it's like, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of custom 
Puma shoes and track suits. All you have to do is just wear them. And also, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Yeah. You'd be a fucking dumbass not to take that. Right. Take like that. nowadays, you'd get a pair of shoes, maybe. And they'd want their name. Like they would I'm still want. still waiting on that. I'm still waiting on those, by the way. Adidas. Yeah. Please. They do need to send you Hold those on. shoes. I'm trying to get those. I'll buy. I'll be buying those too. I'll be buying it too. I'll hate myself where I'll be typing my credit card oh, in there yeah. like some scrub. I'm in. I'm. I'm in for sure. I think new metal yeah. always kind of existed outside of sellout culture, though, in a weird way. Totally like did. sellout was just kind totally of like did. it was really associated more with like punk and grunge, you know. And I, I think like new metal just always kind of existed outside of outside of that. Like I, I'm sure I can understand Brian and other people. I'm sure that were you know Brian's age and had been with Corn from the beginning. I could totally see, even just on the sound alone, I could totally see you hearing Freak on a Leash and being like, what the fuck is this? I'm out. You know, I could totally get that. One no, of the- no, like, no question about it. But I think they didn't, there just wasn't that, like, there wasn't that prevalent sellout culture because they were too big. They were too, like, what is selling out? If you sold 6 million copies right. of your record and your video is the first one to ever get retired, they invented retiring videos on Total Request Live for your video like what does selling out even mean at that point like it doesn't even there is no selling out it You're means already that, that right. man like what, did what, what you they had to do to get that music in the hands of the fans that is artistic integrity gosh dang it nice i feel like what you guys needed in the late 90s though was like you just hadn't invented the phrase being cringe yet and yeah. like that's what you meant with a lot of the like sellout critique, like it's not even a meaningful sellout. It's just like, oh, you did something cringe. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it was back then, too, because I remember being like, I've talked about this with System of a Down a few mm-hmm. times on, on the POD cast that I went and saw them live uh, back in what would have been like 2000. I was older. I was a little bit older. It was the Mesmerize and yeah, Hypnotize yeah. tour. That's when I saw them, too. And Darren is up there yelling about how we don't even want them to play our music on MTV. And I just remember standing in the audience and it was the first time that it really hit me like, you didn't have to make a video. You don't even have to be in a fucking band. You know, (laughs) you don't have to do any of that stuff. Just don't do it. And it's always like that, that kind of posturing, I think, annoys me even more than like, you're right. Like corn didn't actually like didn't ever promise they weren't going to sell out. And I think my main complaints and the complaints of the people that were around when I was getting into them and stuff is that we used to see these guys in very small clubs that and the rooms were insane and smoky and just fucking it was nuts. And now we have to go see them at an arena where there's more rules and you know, you can get kicked out and I'm not allowed to go down in the pit if I don't have a floor pass. The Cleveland Mosh team is here. The Cleveland Mosh team's ruined fucking everything, but I have to have assigned seats at the concert. Like, there's something when you see, when you are there at the beginning that the second, it, this isn't true now, but it was back then, the second MTV plays them, you just decide they've sold out. It doesn't matter how much fucking money they're making. You just decided that because now it's not your little special thing, and the people that made fun of you for liking it now like it, which is also something that drove fucking Kurt Cobain crazy. So. Yeah. Um. The, the, the other thing that, that really lined up incredibly well for Korn 
so well that you can't even buy this kind of publicity was that in their TRL dominance, Freak on a Leash was the first music video to break the streak of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys battling out for number one. Freak on a Leash was the first non-NSYNC, non-Backstreet Boys video to take the top spot. So it's like perfect that Korn were able to pick a fight with the only bigger bands in the world, making them still look like the underdog, even though they are competing on the same level as Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Like they're right there with them. But because they got to break that monopoly, because because like Backstreet Boys felt like enough of a plague on society that if you just came along and broke that dominance for even one week, for even a second, you got to look like the hero still. You still got to look like the underdog. I think I've always actually given uh, Limp Biscuit a lot of credit for that in that, uh, that Faith is really the beginning of that. Like, if, if Faith doesn't come out, then Got the Life doesn't probably, because Faith was out faith was a hit before anything corn ever really did i mean adidas was played on like 120 minutes or like alternative nation or whatever the show is at like midnight on mtv mm. like in order to see adidas the video you had to actually own who then now and then i think it was on there and that's how i saw it they never played it on mtv but really yeah really that video yeah, was cost like a million dollars. Really? I would I I had Very assumed strange. I had always been assumed that Adidas was a huge MTV smash. No, no. You rarely saw it. It was it it wasn't on during the day ever. It was that iteration of Headbangers Ball that they would play it on. That's right. Yes. And it's it post Ricky Rackman, but Okay. So then yeah, you're right. Faith broke through to TRL. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You're 100% right. Through, then you started hearing like then you see maybe like another metal band hit number five on TRL or something like that. And then when Got the Life came out, I don't even know how much of it is the actual song as much as it was how they what they looked like and what the video looked like. That was that because I remember hearing Got the Life the first time and be like, this is the most amazing fucking song I've ever heard in my life. I still feel like and, that. Uh, also, still feel like that every time it comes on, I'm like, this is my friends, as as it gets. me and my friends like slapping each other's back and saying, he said, get your boogie on. That's so fucking cool, <laughs> man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Just smacking. And I bet it was hard smacks too. fierce smacks. Assault. They did look assault. so cool in that video. Like yeah. they just and Brian and I've talked about this a lot on the POD cast, but like corn looked so cool. They like, look like to rappers. A, to a, yeah. To like a white suburban kid like me. It, it just like it felt like what my parents must have thought when they saw Led Zeppelin or Aerosmith or whatever. Like it, they just they looked like rock stars, like they didn't look like real people. Like you would see a picture of them and you're like, these aren't this. Is, they're like supernatural beings They're They exist on another planet. I couldn't look like that. You know, I mean, Who David else? looked kind of normal, but the rest of them are all kind of they all had their weird look and. So, yeah, I think that was a huge part of it, too. It's just like, God, these guys just look and seem so fucking cool. I Who love else was that. even a rock star in 1998 anyway? That's a good corn. It's like corn is a rock star. In and, and like Liam and Noel Gallagher. Yeah. Oasis. But they're still at, they're at the tail end there. Like you'd have Aerosmith. Like, I don't want to miss a thing would have been like around that time. That isn't, that is, that's oh, a holdover. But that's. I, but yeah, okay. But I'm saying like you're talking about new rock stars in '98. It was all the new metal guys, really. I don't think because uh, grunge is kind of over at that point. 
So you're sort of, you still are getting your nineties, like one hit wonders in the late nineties. You're still getting some of those, your, your tonics and your dishwallas and your, you know, your gin blossoms or, are you know, decidedly not rock stars, goo goo dolls. Yeah. They're not rock star looking like too. dangerous. Right? 98 would have like the verve pipe. Goo dolls yeah. had a couple of Goo dolls had like three or four hits. Oh yeah. Slide name. Iris. Iris is the Iris is Iris huge. Is huge. Yeah. Very normal about that song. Um, but I, it's, it, it has some weird record because they refused to release it as a single because they wanted people to release the City of Angels sound or buy the City of Angels uh, soundtrack. So right. Iris has the, it's like I think it's the 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 most it's like the most played radio song ever that like never charted or something because you, right. in those days it, you couldn't chart unless you, you released you had it to have as a, a single. physical single. So it's like yeah. it was like number one on the airplay. Airplay yeah. 100. Yeah, it's like the highest, most played song ever that never hit the Billboard charts, I think, is the record. It's got some crazy record. But yeah, I mean, fuck, what a jam, obviously. You also had Creed. Creed was out at the time. Yeah, Creed would have been around then. Yeah. Creed I want to give it, would have been huge. I want to give a big shout out to this random YouTube comment that I can't get out of my head. I was listening to the song What's This Life For by Creed and going through YouTube comments because I'm stupid. And one of the comments was, this is back when people made music for more than just money. And I was like, no, that is all that is. This is not Fugazi. This is Creed. Like this, this band was born to sell out. Like nostalgia has completely ruined your brain. If you're listening to Creed thinking this was back when music was real. I feel like I got to put I feel like I got to put the brakes on the Creed, the Creed appreciation going around right now. I need to put the brakes on that. That band okay. sucks. We're not doing it. No, no, no. But we're not I doing really, it. I can't do it. I think that they should have made that that halftime show. That should have been the national anthem. They should have made it that right then. That there. That is a bad band. Okay. Like, yeah. I, we're not doing. And I'm in not the doing background, it. they should have been playing the Kid Rock. Two things can game. be true. That's another funny thing. So that's another funny thing that I meant to mention earlier. So Kid Rock, Kid Rock, Kid fucking Rock was around at this point. Was he around or did did Devil Without a Cause come Devil out? Devil Without a, that was ninety eight, ninety nine. That was massive. Eight million I saw, copies, I think. I saw yeah. Kid Rock at a club in Dude. town that, that is a dance club. Like it, recently? Um, no, no, no. This was oh. in 99. I would a couple go. days ago. He was just there. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's what I thought you meant. I thought you were just like, oh, yeah, he was just around. <laughs> well, we had gotten Devil Without a Cause because somebody I, told my brother it was good. And we listened to it. We fucking loved it because it, we're a bunch of rednecks. And like it was music for like rednecks that like that not a bad album it's not about i am the bull god ba with the bar, yeah yeah oh boy. So it's we got, got hits. it it's got hits we got it we found out they were playing at a club called mecca that we had never been to before because it was like a uh edm they would call it an edm or house music or some techno electro electro yeah techno yeah so we go to this club and those dang lippity bloops <laughs> first of all kid rock is <laughs> two hours late um and i would expect nothing less which Listen, here's the thing, though. The worst part about it was I don't think the band that was opening for him knew that he was going to be two hours late when they went on stage. So it seemed as though they were told to stretch an inhuman amount of time (laughs) (laughs) of what they were doing to seven people. There were maybe seven people in the room. And when Kid Rock got there, there were still maybe 10 12 people there was there was fucking nobody at this show and and i know this is like a hack thing to say he fucking played that show like he was in an arena it was insane i like gained tons of respect for the guy uh you know he's lost my respect now but 
he fucking played that show in front of 12 people. Uh, insane. It was so great. It was so fucking good. Then stood outside and shook everybody's hand as they walked out of the place. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's what I'm talking about. And he was yeah. also, I didn't know if it was, but that album also came out in 98. So if you want to talk like rock stars, he would absolutely have been in the conversation. It was six months later that he was playing larger venues. It was, it, this was just Devil Without a Cause had come out. Bawa to Ba hadn't been released as a single. So the only single was I Am the Bull God, which wasn't like a big hit as a single. Then Bawa to Ba came out and then Cowboy. And that's what blew him up. So I saw him about six months before he blew up. And uh, it was crazy. It was the people. It, the funny thing was like people that were at the club for the regular music and the other rooms would would saunter into the room that Kid Rock was playing and immediately turn around and run out of the room. <laughs> like, I do not want this. This they not- had foresight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they knew better. That's but what's funny about the discussion that I'm always trying to have with people about how new metal is not that. New metal's not that misogynistic, but new metal is not that homophobic. New metal is not that sexist. Is that they'll bring up Kid Rock, and I just don't think about Kid Rock to such a degree that I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess he does count, doesn't he? I've just written him out of the whole story. I hope Kid Rock loses sleep over it. I hope Kid Rock is like, I can't believe that Holiday Kirk doesn't post about me. I can't believe hey, that. He probably does. Hey, so I still like All Summer Long. I think All Summer Long bangs, and people get so mad at me. No, for you're so right. I've, it's one yep. of my top songs on Spotify every year. Kid Rock has a really we are not good... retconning this one. That's a thumbs down. Cran, I'm so sorry. Absolutely... I'm from Michigan. I can't help it. Oof. You could assemble like a 12 track greatest hits of Kid Rock songs that would just go banging from top to bottom, start to finish. Absolutely. Okay, only God knows why. Un- only God knows why is just such an incredible fucking song written before he was famous about what it's like for him to be famous. And uh, also, uh, I sang it on. Uh, there's a YouTube video of me singing that song from beginning to end. <laughs> I think more than I think more than anyone, I wish that he wasn't a piece of shit. Like more than anyone in new metal, I wish to God that he wasn't a piece of shit because there's so much incredible content that I could be posting on Kid Rock that I will never post because he fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, fucking, he's a bad dude, but uh, yeah. he had a good run. The, the thing is, when he first came out, and this is kind of hacky, and this is not something I would suggest any band do, he had like a pat speech he would give at every show. You can watch the Woodstock 99 thing in order to uh you can watch the woodstock 99 thing to see it he did this on every tour where he called like bill clinton's is a pimp and monica Lewinsky's a hoe and i don't care if you're a republican or like he was doing this like it, it wasn't good it wasn't like woke or anything but it wasn't like he he came off as more of like a guy that doesn't care about politics than he does now who comes off as a guy who just has really bad politics. all the new metal guys that yeah. have ended up all the, i think that all the new metal guys that have ended up in as right-wing content creators kind of fell there by like a plinko machine like from the prices right like they just kind of kept chasing one sort of audience play certain venues curate this one cultural moment for themselves and then bloop, now you suddenly you're doing like grievance country by the way speaking of grievance country yeah but he's how, shitty on local how, things too how fucking pissed <laughs> off do you think aaron lewis is that he's not number one on billboard right now he was he missed out on this so bad he got stained back together is doing stained again and now racist country songs are the hottest thing in america he must be fucking so mad 
even though he's already mad all the time about everything, he must be really heated about this one because his moment, he has missed his moment. Big My time. great pandemic failure. And I think it's because I had a daughter. I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't just leave for a day. The great pandemic failure for me was uh, missing the spoken word Sully and Aaron Lewis tour that they oh did at drive-in theaters in the heat of the pandemic. I was like, I saw the thing and I was like, I would do anything to see these guys do a spoken word. Tour. Oh, I remember. I, that. I would too. I would not want to be there. I would not want to be seen there. I would not want anyone there to know that I existed, but I, and I would. Oh, I, especially during the pandemic where their yeah. brains are cooked Absolutely. to like just the utmost degree. And I'll tell you this for people listening to, to the new metal agenda for Kirk specifically, I think you would love this. Uh, there is a lot of funny content to be had listening to Sully Erna's hometown sessions. I listen, some I remember that. Of, some of the funniest shit I've ever heard, not on purpose. He is just a real dim guy. He's oh as God. dumb as possible. And he did a podcast for like, I don't know, I think he did like 20 episodes. So he and did this every one, one of them. He did this one episode with Jacoby Shaddix, right? That's my favorite one. Listen, listen. <laughs> During this episode, he like whips out a bunch of clips of Jacoby Shaddix being an, a huge alcoholic on stage and being like way out of control, super drunk. And he's playing these clips one after the other. And he's laughing his ass off at every one of these clips. And Jacoby Shaddix is just dying inside, not laughing at all. Literally just like, I like, like, like. This is a, this was the darkest time in my life. This is nothing that I want to be revisiting. And Sully is like, can you believe you were hitting yourself in the face on stage? Can you believe you were doing that? Ah! <laughs> the, the segment is called Radness or Badness. Oh, my God. And I have to say, if you ever want to hear. It, he on Radness or Badness, I've told this story so many times, but I feel like everybody needs to hear it uh, on Radness or Badness. There is a. Uh, Mongolian throat singing band called The Who, H-U. And uh, Jacoby directed some of their videos and guested on some of their songs. And he's like a really strong believer in this band and, and he really likes them. During Radness or Badness, uh, Sully plays the song. The, the, the one of their songs where he goes, uh, like that's what the throat singing sounds like. When he ends it, he says that, I don't know if that's music, or if that's like my butt after a night of eating tacos or something like that. And Jacoby's like, I actually helped make this. <laughs> there I am. He's like, there I am. I'm right there. I'm in the video. You can see me. I'm right there. <laughs> this is why, this is why, even though Sully Erna is politically dubious and has even made like like uh like Trump support songs and stuff, I still post about his music because it's just so toothless and dumb. He's just too dumb. I don't think he gets it at all. You know, yeah, I think also he's anybody here could take him. He's like five zero. So any, wow. but he did. He did kill someone with his Hummer once. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's different. Yeah. I, I could, could pick him up and put him on a shelf. Yeah. He, he better bring the Hummer <laughs> if he's coming at the grandfather. That's what's up. But yeah, he did so many those podcasts. I mean, the best ones aren't the ones with guests on them, like Mike Mushok from Stained or the best ones are the ones where he didn't have a guest. And it's oh, him and his dumbass friend. 
Yeah, no, it's him and like his friend who owns a roofing company. Oh no! And it's like, <laughs> so, All right, All the right. Going in the queue. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Man. It's, it's so idiotic. I've listened to every mini, minute of it a few times, actually. I the pandemic was wild. I'm trying to. I'm sitting here right now. Like, why was I listening to those? I remember listening to those. Why was I listening to those? And they also all start off with one of his solo songs. And if you've ever want to hear Sully Erna try to be Elton John, <laughs> this is you've you've got the uh, it's, it's out there. It's out there. It's in the it's in the wind. I think Sully really is like, I I mean a POD like my favorite guy we've ever done anything about on a POD cast because it's him. I would have to say him and the other the puddle of mud guy Wes Scantlin have to be two of the best characters in the history of new metal they were just they were just so good man they were just guys they're the epitome of guys just really just guys being dudes and wes scantlin like being sold by fred durst as the next kurt cobain i mean i can't think of anything better than that they were they both came up and blew up pretty big but like right at the tail end of when record labels felt like they could be really hands-on like i don't think either of them had handlers you know what i mean there was nobody keeping them on the straight and narrow. They were just running people over in their Hummers and getting arrested at the airport. Like, there was the, there was the, uh, and this is more recent. I think it was like five, ten years ago or something, where, where Wes was performing in Marietta, Ohio, which I, I got to tell you, is not one of the bigger towns in Ohio. It's very much not like anything really. Um, but he, he's performing there, and he starts yelling at a guy in the audience. And and accusing them of uh, accusing yeah, that's right stealing his, stealing house. his house yes <laughs> like nobody knows what it means like, but how have I never I was like is there is is there truth in this no I don't think so. I don't know how he would do it <laughs> show up and this motherfucker he stops the show this motherfucker right here stole my motherfucking house and now he's standing right fucking in front of me laughing at me. And he fucking figures I'm a fucking joke. This motherfucker right here, get his ass on camera, right? Get his ass on camera. Get his ass on camera. This is the dog right here. This is the motherfucker right here. This guy stole my fucking house. This is the dog. I like that. That's a good. <laughs> this this, this is the dog right here. This is the dog right here. This is the dog who stole my house. I need to start. I need to start doing that more often. Accusing people of stealing my house. I don't know what the backstory is about him stealing the house, but you have to. Before you start yelling, this is the guy that stole my house. You gotta be really sure. And you gotta think for like two minutes, like what are other people gonna think about me saying that a guy stole my house? I'm not saying you have to live your life according to what other people think, but uh, I think, you know, when it comes to accusations of house theft, you should probably. Well, hey, maybe it was a real estate guy and he was talking to his buddy while Wes Scantlin was on stage. And he's like, yeah, I foreclosed on this guy. Just foreclosed on this guy yesterday. Wes. Hey, Wes. He was serving him foreclosure papers right there. Or I, I was holding the deed with Wes Scantlin scribbled out. Can you sign this? And then I'll go. I thought I had it. Wes Scantlin had talked to his real estate agent right before he went on stage. And he was pretty sure his bid got accepted on the house and then and he watched this thing. guy outbid him on his phone right there right there in front of him he outbid the guy he outbid west because west was playing he couldn't place another bid he just held up his phone he's like you lose 
<laughs> I got this this modest level in Gary, Indiana. It's mine now. It's mine now, Wes. We also talked a lot about how like uh that that was so like the end and he seemed like he, he like people talk about how corn was like the ba- last big rock like success you know uh what about imagine they, dragons definitely feel <laughs> yeah. like there's a lot of bands after corn in between corn <laughs> and imagine dragons no i i'm not saying that people say that they're the last ones that made a living in the music industry made a lot of money in the music industry in the way that other bands had in the past like everything changed right after them like the strokes yeah. was like sort of the next movement and the strokes didn't was were looked at by some of the labels as like a failure because they weren't selling as many records as bands like corn and like biscuit and stuff it's true i do i i do always say that um like corn Korn's albums, like like if you were going to like rock and mainstream, you'd talk about emo. Emo bands weren't selling jack shit compared to Korn. Oh, they were yeah, selling merch, but yeah, they were selling merch. So all told, though, follow the leader. Masterpiece. What are we thinking? Masterpiece classic album, ten out of ten. It has uh, my gift to you. It is a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> I don't think it's not a ten out of ten for me. I think it's a little too inconsistent to be a ten out of ten, but it's certainly a classic. Like. I think I think if you were going to show someone like new metal albums or like what are the classic new metal albums, I think it is Korn's classic new metal album. I don't think it's their best album, but I think if you were going to show someone new metal, like you would show them that instead of the self-titled, I think. I, I think it's just like it's so emblematic of the era of the big late new metal period. It kind of kicked off the beginning of the end, actually, in a weird way. Um, and uh I mean, I guess maybe significant other, you could make the cases more of the album that started the beginning of the end. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's like it's maximalist. It's crazy. It sounds like nothing else, even from Corn. like Issues is quite a bit different of an album than Follow the Leader is. Uh, yeah, it's totally its own thing. It's an artifact. It's a it's a tent pole of the of the genre, but it's not a 10 out of 10 to me. It's like an eight probably eight and a half i guess harsh grader geez that's not that harsh i mean there's like four bad songs on it so oh well not okay maybe bad is a hard word but like there's four songs that i if i never heard again i'd be totally fine fair enough we're waiting riv come on oh take us home academic breakdown i know crayon's tapped out i think you need to bring us all home with the uh with the no, I got well yeah i just i john i think you're i think you're super right i think this would be like this would be the album that you could show to someone and not need as much like explanation or to get as much buy-in from someone for them to understand like oh this is what this is rather than having to be like okay so like it sounds kind of bad but you got to stick with it there's this essential liveness like no this is like good album um it's a weird album but it's good and it makes sense as what it is um yeah i don't know i don't have a i don't have a great academic breakdown um dispatch from zz though wants it on the record that zz co-host of this podcast thinks that camel is is a good song felt very passionately Someone well, good thing that ZZ How... was not here then because How, he hearing uh... this? <laughs> How the hell is he hearing this? Is in your walls. 
wouldn't wouldn't doubt it. Grandfather, final thoughts? Uh, I'm going to say solid eight, not an 8.5. It is front loaded. It gets a little long in the tooth at the end. And I think every guest spot is not great. I do like this album as a whole and I can't listen to it front to back, but. I agree. Like Brian and I, like the, we do an alternate title for every episode of the POD cast and the alternate title for the follow the leader episode was three gimmicks and a classic because every song that has a guest on it. Every song that has a guest on it is a gimmick song. Like Children of the Corn is a gimmick song. Camel Tosis is a, yes, it is a gimmick song. Attention all parents, report to your Ice Ice Cube raps like he's 1984. My name's Ice Cube and I'm here to say Corn's a good band in a major way. Parents gonna lose in a major way. 100%. (laughs) And then obviously all in the family, massive gimmick. Uh, So yeah, like to me, uh, I agree with you, Cran. I think that uh, the, all the guest spots are wasted. Those three songs could easily be chopped out of the album. No trouble. I like listening to Children of the Corn, but it doesn't need to be on there. You can't cut um, those. No, 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 no. You can't cut those. Absolutely huge disagree. You cannot cut those. I think the thing about well, the yeah, album I mean, you is... you can, definitely. No, it's a worse album. I think album. it would be worse, worse without them. Yeah. I think they you could think this album would be worse without All in the Family? Yes. Yeah, I do. I like All in the Family. A million percent. You can't appreciate what song, is good on not the even album lyric without wise. how not good those I are. I don't know. You need it. Don't care. Family you don't need all in the family. You do not need all in the family. Oh, oh yes, you Wow. It's terrible. I like all in the family. <laughs> Couldn't agree. I, I totally agree with Riv on this one. Like, because because it's not just you're not just listening to like a corn album. You're listening to fucking 1998, man. You need Ice Cube in there. You need you're Fred listening Durst to what there. an absolutely whack MC Fred Durst is. Yes. 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 You and need it's all that on record. Good. Yes. You need all oh, that on record. It's so important. I know yeah, that it's like yeah, that, that Austin Powers line. joke aged so well. <laughs> like my name was Austin Powers. <laughs> oh, I guess I guess he's a whack rapper, but one uh, Method Man, if he thinks he's whack, he held his own with him. And no, I think Method Man wrote his verse. <laughs> Who yeah. could be the boss? Maybe no. he didn't, though. I don't want to. Brad Durst did himself the ultimate favor on that song by not trying to wrap up to Method Man's level. Yeah, I agree. He kept it fun. Method rap circles around Fred and was definitely not trying. <laughs> well, I do think that about wraps it for me. Uh, I would like to thank our guests, the POD cast, not just for appearing here on the podcast, but for really blazing the trail of new metal appreciation. I was listening to POD cast episodes during the pandemic, thinking how great it must be to be famous. Like, uh, you know, Brian and John Cullen. <laughs> God, if I was famous, it would be wonderful. If only Brian and I are, are we're trying, we're actively trying to sell out. So if you would like <laughs> to help us sell out, we're we're all ears, baby. I might be able, I might be able to, I, maybe I can help you with that one. Yeah. We, I fucking, this I POD I cast appearance brought to you by Romans. <laughs> we could probably. Right, where's do that, that? Where's that Raid Shadow Legends money? We need to do it. We need to team up on a merch drop, something really sickening. I'll put you guys' faces on ping pong paddles and sell those. <laughs> Done. You got you got yourself a deal, baby. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to my co-hosts for all making it to this one. This has been Holiday Kirk, though, with the New Metal Agenda. Just reminding you, always be active and supportive of uh, new new bands, new music in the scene. Tell your family, tell your friends, bug everyone, and have a great night.